Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 45, verse 1 through 7, 1 Thessalonians, chapter 1, verse 1 through 10, the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 22, verse 15 through 22, and Psalm 96, verse 1 through 6. God grant us serenity to accept the things that we cannot change, Courage to change the things that we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? They ask Jesus, and Jesus says, Well, give to the emperor that which belongs to the emperor, and give to God that which belongs to God. And that's oftentimes, we've heard that as, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, and render unto God that which is God's. A text that has many times been used to help us sort of differentiate between the sacred and the secular. What are the things that are about God, and what are the things that are kind of our muckety-muck, our business, the kind of worldly stuff that kind of we want to leave God out of. This text itself has been used as a way of sort of asking the question of where does God begin and end and where do God and politics mix and where do they not? And of course our preference historically has been that they don't mix unless it's a politic that I agree with and then it's okay. That's exactly, by the way, what's going on in the context of the conversation that Jesus is having with the Pharisees and the Herodians. They are asking this question, and it says it clearly so you don't have to guess, they're asking this to trap Jesus. They want him to be, to be picked on, they want to put him in a box and place him on a side of an existing argument so that they can s- dismiss him more quickly. The Herodians are people who, are, uh, uh, people who support King Herod, And King Herod, of course, is the king that has been placed as king over Israel under the Roman Empire. So people who are Herodians are for the status quo. They want things to remain as is. They want that to be sort of just keep things the way they are. They're not perfect, but it's working. Let's just move forward. And of course, the Pharisees see the Herodians as sellouts, as people who are getting in the way of the actual reality of what they want to see, which is the Messiah to come and to restore Israel to its independence and sovereignty, not belonging to an empire, but being its own people. These two people are at odds, and if they can get Jesus to answer the question, do you pay taxes to Caesar or not, then they can find out, is he a Herodian or is he a Pharisee? Now, by the way, the Pharisees hope he's a Herodian, and the Herodians hope he's a Pharisee. These two groups don't like each other, but there's one person they like less, and that is Jesus. So if they can get Jesus to just claim his identity as Republican or Democrat, then they know what to do with him. Oh, and if you think it's different, come on. And so Jesus does this thing. He doesn't answer the question the way they would like. And we have often said, and he doesn't answer the question. But he does answer the question. Let me see the coin that you're talking about that you pay taxes with. Well, this has a picture of Caesar on it. The denarius would have a picture of Caesar and would say, Caesar is Lord on the coin. Jesus looks at it and says, Well, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. 
And this is infuriating for many. And as I said, it has been used by many of us throughout time to say, see, there is the secular and the sacred, there is the religious and the political, and they aren't, they're separate. See, Jesus just said they can be separate. And that's really beneficial to us because then we can go on living our lives with our preconceived notions of what is right and wrong, and we can choose not to allow God to influence our beliefs. We can believe what we already believed and then approach the altar of God and hope to leave unchanged by saying these things are the things that God cares about and these are our concerns. We can walk into this space and leave our cares and troubles for the world out there and come in here and just talk about our personal feelings or piety and talk about things like faith and hope and grace and churchy words. And you can come up to this altar and take bread from some man in a dress and then you can go back out into the world and forget about all of this stuff and leave it here and not allow this to influence that and not allow that to influence this. Which leads me to the question, what part of your life does not belong to God? What part of your life does God not care about? I encourage you today, when you go home, take out a piece of paper and a pen and make a list. Or if you're one of the new types of folks, pull your phone out, grab your little note on your notepad on your phone, and go ahead and make a list of the things in your life that God doesn't care about. Make a list of the things in this world that don't matter to God and don't belong to God. Did you know that in Ohio, in a couple of weeks, women's full bodily autonomy will be on the ballot? Do you think God cares? Or is that not something God cares about? God doesn't care about whether or not we recognize the full humanity of women. Does that make sense to you? What does God care about? And what does God not care about? See, that's the trick about the question that they ask Jesus. They don't want an answer from him. They don't want the truth of his heart. They don't want to know where God is in what Jesus is doing. They want to know where they can place Jesus so they can go about living their lives as they always have. They don't want to be transformed by God's presence and power in their lives. So let's make our list. Let's make our list of where God isn't. Jesus answers the question. He says, give to the empire what belongs to the empire and give to God what belongs to God. And every single person in that room understands that all things belong to God. This is God's world. And there is not one piece of this world that God does not know. And there is not one piece of this world that is outside of God's purview, outside of God's care, outside of God's love. To take Jesus seriously is to recognize God's presence everywhere. This is not always as easy as it sounds. It's not easy. I have a friend named Mark. 
Mark has been a friend of my family's for over 40 years. Mark's a professional musician, been playing the organ for even longer than that. Played all over the world, was played for almost 20 years at the Crystal Cathedral in California, was on TV, all of the things you've seen he's played, he's touring. And about 20 years ago, he was visiting uh, our family in Maine, and while he would visit for the summer, he would go and he would tour around and do little, uh, you know, do recitals and concerts all over New England. So he borrows my dad's car and drives from Magunquit, Maine, down to Methuen, Massachusetts in August, and he plays this recital, and he's on his way back up, and, he, and there's this vicious August rainstorm. New England's similar to mid Midwest, where in the summer you'll be having a perfectly nice day, and then all of a sudden, a complete torrential downpour out of nowhere that lasts for like 20 minutes and then is gone. He's driving in this rainstorm, and he tries to get off the freeway, and my dad's car hydroplanes. And Mark gets into an absolute, the kind of accident no one should ever survive. Mark does survive, this lifelong musician, this organist, but they have to take his left arm all the way up here. My father was actually the person to tell him when he woke up that they had taken the arm. I remember that I was actually not in Maine at the time. I was in North Carolina and I heard the news. I was in a place of kind of renewed faith and really excited about being Christian again, which is a strange thing for someone in their mid-twenties to be, but there I was. And I remember being horrified and saddened, but also immediately, immediately jumped to the question, where is God in that? This man has given his life to the church, to God, to the glory of God, and, he's, and there he, God has taken his arm? This is unacceptable. This is not, where is God in any of this? And I was in a crisis of faith, as anyone who would witness this would be. And then I flew back to New England to see my family, to see Mark. And upon spending time with him, I realized I may have had doubts about where God was, but Mark did not. And I talked with Mark about his accident, and he told me how grateful he was to be alive. He told me the story of the woman who stood with him while he was waiting for the ambulance to come and told him he would be okay. And the woman who told him to take his right arm and push it into the space where his wound was because he was bleeding so much. He lost over half of his body's blood that day. And then the ambulance showed up and he said, where was the woman who was helping me? And there had been no one else at the accident. He said an angel literally saved his life. And then he described all of the angels, the human angels, who rallied around him and cared for him and got him back to health. And then he described all of the people who were planning for his future. And then, of course, as soon as he could, he got back to playing the organ with one arm and two legs. And I realized in that, I realized in that, I was the one placing conditions on where God was in a situation because I didn't understand it. I was the one who was deciding God couldn't have been there because if God had been there, none of this would have happened. Meanwhile, the person to whom it happened was able to tell me all the places where God was. 
Are you willing to come over here and say hello to these folks? I would really appreciate you because you all, they all heard you play this morning and they're going to hear you again. This is my friend Mark Thalander. <laughs> what I want to say to you today, other than I love you and you know that, um, is we all know that somehow magically, miraculously, you are still an excellent musician, but you also are someone whose Christian witness changed my understanding of who God is in this world. Because I continue to try to place God in places that only make sense to me. And it is your faith, as you described it to me and as you continue to live it, that teaches me and so many other people that God is present and God is blessing us. And you bless me and you bless so many through that. So I just want to thank you for that. Thank you, and I love you. I invite you to leave today, and I invite you to make your list. I invite you to make your list of the places where God isn't. I invite you to make another list of the things God doesn't care about. I invite you to make a list of the things about you that don't belong to God. If you're able to write anything on that list at all, I invite you then to look at that list and ask, is this about me and the limits I place on God? Or is this about God? I know my list is about me and my concerns and my fears and how small I can be in looking for God. Give to God what is God's, Jesus says. And he means your whole self. We belong to God. Completely and utterly. Every part of us. Every part of this world. And nothing can change that. Thanks be to God and Jesus Christ. <laughs>